Good morning and welcome. My name is Rachel Blair Haddad. It's nice to see all of you this morning. Pastor Sean, on behalf of Mayflower Congregational Church, I am pleased to present you with a gift this morning. We're thrilled to welcome you to our church family, and we are so excited about this new season ahead. I need to open it now because I'm about to use it. (laughs) So this is lovely. Thank you so much. Yeah, you can put a little hand here. (laughs) Well, welcome. I'm Pastor Sean, and it is great to see every one of your faces here this morning. For those who are joining virtually online, it's great to have you join us as well. Um, As you on your way in probably saw, there's a picnic. Now, the threat of rain, we've moved it indoors, but nonetheless, uh, we have the space to make it happen. It should be a really good time. So if you're able, stay after the service and join us for a meal and a time to hang out and have some fun. If you're a guest, maybe this is your first time. Or maybe if you're relatively new, hey, I am too. It's been like a month. <laughs> so I'd love to meet you if you're a guest. Uh, come say hi to me. And if you would, uh, sign your name in the friendship register so we can get connected there. If you're able, please stand. We turn now to the Christian practice of passing of the peace. And we'll use the traditional exchange of peace. The peace of Christ be with you. Let us share God's peace with one another. Today, as Sean said, is our annual fall picnic. It is our kickoff to our fall season. We will have Cousins Fried Chicken and all the sides for lunch today. So even if you can't stay to eat, feel free to take a plate to go. And downstairs will be activities for the children, face painting, Foursquare, and um, all the fun things down there. Middle school and high school youth group also kicks off tonight with Elevate at um, 6 o'clock and 7 o'clock for the middle school and high schoolers. Come hungry because Allison and crew will have Qdoba. Bible studies and Priscilla's Circle are back in session this week as well. Please consider joining one of these amazing groups to grow in your relationships and your faith. All are welcome at any time. And then lastly, midweek starts off this Wednesday. It's a time set apart for us to come together for choir practice, casual worship service, grade school youth group, and of course, food. So please see your bulletin insert for the full schedule. Prayer cards today will be collected during the offering.
And in October, we are going to begin a four-week new members class. I'd like to now invite forward John and Alex Uplinger to share why they decided to go through our new membership class last spring and become members of Mayflower. Good morning. Uh, as she said, we're John and Alexandra Uplager, and we're new members of the church. And uh, we were asked to share why we decided to join Mayflower. We first considered coming to Mayflower when I heard how great the preschool was. And then I saw how close it was to our house. And I thought, well, we might make it there on time. And we just had a newborn, so uh, that seemed like a good plan. But when we came to Mayflower, we were welcomed with open arms. And we kept coming because we enjoyed the relatable sermons, the beautiful music, the well-crafted children's messages, and the people we got to know after the services. We felt like we had found a church where we could raise our son with a strong moral value and a thriving community. And then we decided to join to make a commitment to the church to share our time and energy. We have been able to work with the youth groups and children's programs, Thanks to Rachel Haddad and Rachel Cooley. And we are excited to serve on the Congregational Events Committee this year. We love how enthusiastic everybody is about the church and how excited they are about creating a nice community. So, if you are looking for a church or wondering if you should make the leap and join, we think you should. Uh, we are sure you will find a home beyond Sunday service in the wonderful people that make up the congregation at Mayflower. Thank you. Thank you very much. I now would like to invite Dr. Julia Brown forward for our moment for music. First, a quick invitation for a week from tomorrow. We have an organ recital here at Mayflower um, at 7 p.m. September 19th. This is the opening program of our local chapter of the American Guild of Organists, and it's open to the public and free, and I would love to see all of you here for that concert. And this morning, I am so thrilled to have our chancel choir back leading worship with us. Um, and for that, we have two contrasting anthems. The first one, um, Blessed Are the Pure in Heart by Sir Walford Davies. Uh, this week, we've heard a lot about Windsor and the royal family with the death of Queen Elizabeth II. And Walford Davies was a chorister uh, at Saint, in the choir at St. George's Chapel in Windsor and later in his life was the organist at that chapel. Um, and contrasting, the offertory anthem is uh, written in a gospel style, um, River in Judea. I think it's one of our favorites. Um, and uh, the river of Judea is, Judea is used as a metaphor for life.
Jesus called his disciples and a great multitude to a mountain. There he touched, he healed, and he taught. He said, blessed are the downtrodden and despairing, for they will rejoice in God's reign forever. Blessed are the ones who seek justice and righteousness. They will find it in God's reign forever. And blessed are we when we love our neighbors and seek their needs. We will live in God's reign forever. So church, let us worship together, serving one another and serving our mighty God. Amen.
Let us pray. Almighty God, to truly know you is everlasting life. So we pray that we would so perfectly know your son, Jesus Christ, to be the way, the truth, and the life, that we would follow his teachings with our whole hearts. We pray this through Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. We Christians are people of repentance. Turning away from our sin is a regular part of becoming more like Jesus Christ. So I invite you now to bring your sins before the Lord. First, we will observe a moment of silence for individual confession. And then we will speak a corporate confession together. Let us now bring our sins before the Lord. And now we'll confess together as found in your bulletin. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Through our life in Christ Jesus, we have been put right with God and set free to be God's holy people. Sisters and brothers, in Jesus Christ, your sins have been forgiven. Be at peace. Amen. Please be seated.
Now is the time for the children's message. If you are in preschool or in grade school, all the way through fifth grade, you may come forward at this time for the children's message. Good morning. It's so fun to see all of you. All right, everyone look up here. Who has put one of these on in the last couple of weeks? If you have gone to school, I bet you had a backpack. And backpacks are the best because they are filled with all the things that we need in order to be our very best self at school, aren't they? So let's look and see what we have in our backpack to make us our very, very best selves at school. If I can find the zipper. All right. That's the wrong zipper. These zippers have a, I mean, these backpacks have a lot more zippers these days. All right. Sometimes when we get to school, we're kind of sad and we kind of miss home. So sometimes we bring little friends in our backpack that help us to have love and to just feel safe, don't we? Then we often need a pencil bag or something like that that keeps all of our pens and our markers and our crayons because we need those in school in order for us to feel and be successful. This is one of the most important things that your backpack holds to bring you success. Lunch. You need lunch to fuel your brains and your bodies to have a very good day and be your very best self. As you get older, you have notebooks and you have folders. And often you get to bring your favorite book to school to read. So did you guys know that in your body, you have a backpack that when it's full of all the good things that God can give you, you are able to be your very best self. Everyone take your right hand and you're going to take your right hand and we're going to put it over our hearts because our hearts are our backpacks. And for the next couple weeks, we are going to find what God puts in our hearts, which are our backpacks, to be our very, very best selves. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, we are so thankful that you are able to come into our hearts and that you are able to fill our hearts with so many amazing things that we can be our very, very best selves. May we learn that and may we know that and believe that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friends, we are going to dismiss. So you have to listen quietly as to which people we're going to dismiss first. If you are three years old or four years old, you're three. Perfect. You are going to stand up and you are going to go to Bible beginnings with Mrs. Coster here. So if you want to come. Now, if you're in first grade, second grade, third grade, or fourth grade, if you want to stand up 
and you are going to go to Bible Alive with Mrs. Weiner. And if you're in fifth grade, you are going to stand up and you're going to go to the bridge with Mrs. Houlihan. Good morning. The scripture today is from Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. And if you care to follow along in the Pew Bible, that page number is 683. The Beatitude. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountain and sat down. The disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those the merciful. For they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And now salt and light. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt lost its saltiness, how can it be made Salty again.
It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled upon by men. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. May God bless these words to our hearing and understanding. Thanks be to God. Well, as an insert in your bulletin, you'll find an outline for the sermon. If that helps you um, to hear and follow along, that's there if you'd like to avail yourself of that. So what if we were to write a set of Beatitudes for the 21st century? You know, we make a list of the kinds of people who are winners, the people who have it made. Michael, something kind of like this. Blessed are the rich and famous because they can live in the safest, cleanest neighborhoods. Blessed are the good-looking, for they'll end up on the cover of People magazine. Blessed are those who party, for they know how to have a good time. Blessed are those who take first place in the division, because they'll have the momentum headed into the playoffs. Blessed are the shakers and movers, for they're going to make a name for themselves. Blessed are those who demand their own rights, for they won't be overlooked. Blessed are the healthy and the fit, because they turn all the heads. Blessed are those who make it to the top, because they get to look down on everyone else. If that's what a beatitude might look like for the 21st century... How different, how radically countercultural is what Jesus has to say about who is blessed. Now, today we're starting a series on the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm so excited about this. For the next several weeks, we'll be looking at his sermon. And it's a portrait of Jesus' own people. The Sermon on the Mount is pretty shocking, it's, it's uncompromising. You know, some Christians think that the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is being kind of hyperbolic. He's setting these unattainable standards to, to make a point. You know, we do this sometimes. You ever done this? Do you set your clock 15 minutes ahead so that you'll trick yourself into knowing you won't be late in the morning? <laughs> is that what Jesus is doing here? I, I, don't, I don't think he is. I, I think he means this. Really? This is what life should look like for kingdom people. And Jesus should know, after all, it is his kingdom. You know, as we venture into this series, uh, we can think about the Sermon on the Mount 
as the political manifesto of the kingdom of God. I mean, we've seen this in a democracy. Every party releases a platform before the election. You know, here are our values and our objectives. If you vote for us, this is the kind of society that we're going to work to realize. Well, Jesus gives us a platform. He gives us a description of the citizens of the kingdom of heaven. He gives us a new way of life and a new way of living together. So over these next few weeks, as we hear the Sermon on the Mount again and again, Jesus is going to put a question before us. He asks, will you follow me? So sisters and brothers, let's sit and listen to Jesus. And let's get ready to obey these radical, these beautiful, these demanding teachings of our Lord. Well, Jesus begins his sermon with the Beatitudes. We heard them read. And this is basically a list of good guys. And there's, you know, an implied list of bad guys. But here's the surprise in Jesus' list. He turns it all upside down. In Jesus' kingdom, all the wrong people are actually on God's side, and all the right people are, in fact, against him. The winners of the world are really outside, and the hopeless, well, they are the ones who are actually blessed. This morning, I'd like to ask three questions, a what, a who, and a how. So first, what does blessed mean? Our English word blessed is kind of a blessed problem. As it gets used today, it's been watered down to mean material wealth, uh, the good life, or maybe even good luck. If you get an extra chicken McNugget in your value meal, you are blessed. The word blessed can get thrown around quite casually. But Jesus means something pretty specific by it. So if we want to understand what he's saying here, we've got to get this word right. Now, sometimes this word blessed in English is translated as happy. But I think that might mislead us more than it helps us. Because here's the thing. Happiness is a psychological state where We feel good about our lives. We feel good about our circumstances. But the Beatitudes are not about feeling good. They're about being good. And Jesus gets to define what being good looks like. So being blessed by Jesus isn't actually about how well our lives are going. It's about how well we love God and our neighbors. When Jesus says someone is blessed, it might be a surprise to them. It's certainly a surprise to everyone else. It's this objective pronouncement. Another thing about being blessed, this list that Jesus gives us is not a virtue list. This is a list of people who the world has deemed hopeless, losers, outsiders. And in this twist, they're actually the winners. They're the ones who are blessed. And this is consistent with Jesus' life and ministry. 
he focused on the down and out. His mission was to proclaim good news to the poor, to the oppressed. So when Jesus reads this list of who's blessed, many people in the world think, wait, what? Those people? Those are losers. They're not blessed. What are you talking about? And that's where Jesus is casting a vision. That's where Jesus is making us rethink who the winners really are in the kingdom of God. So back to our question. What does blessed mean? A blessed person is someone who has a heart for God and so has God's favor regardless of their status. So as we've heard the Beatitudes this morning, uh, we shouldn't try to get God's blessing by becoming poor or by seeking out persecution or anything like that. That's two steps down the line. When we hear the Beatitudes, we should seek God's kingdom. We should have a heart for God. And then when we live as kingdom people, we should expect ourselves to be poor in spirit, merciful, peacemakers, and all that. So for us, hearing this list, we should seek the kingdom of God. And when you do, you just might find yourself among the people Jesus calls blessed. Well, on to our second question, who is blessed? In his life and teachings generally, Jesus gives us two big commandments, and I can give them to you in four words. Love God, love others. You know, he summarizes the entire law of Moses with two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And... Love your neighbor as yourself. So the sorts of people who love God and love others, what do they look like? What are their lives like? Well, here in the Beatitudes, their lives look like the people that Jesus called blessed. He gives nine blessings, and I want to break them up into groups of three. Let's consider them briefly. The first group focuses on the humility of the poor. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. This is a kind of a complicated issue. But when Jesus says poor or poor in spirit, uh, that's not just economic poverty. But that's not just to be spiritualized away to refer to our inner humility. As Jesus uses these words, it's both of those. The poor in spirit are those who trust God when they might not eat tomorrow. When they feel like nothing because they have nothing. When their entire lives are determined by the powerful. And so this condition leads them to hope in God for justice. It leads them to long for a different kind of kingdom. I saw the humility of the poor in spirit in the Lisu people. The Lisu people live in southwest China, Myanmar, Thailand. Uh, I can't say too much publicly, but I can tell you I had a relationship with these people. And when I was talking with a pastor there 
during a visit, he said something that I found really interesting. It stuck with me. See, the Lisu people are 85% Christian. They are subsistence farmers. They live up in the mountains and farm to feed themselves. And some recent project developments had given some of the Lisu people construction jobs and a bit more income and some disposable money to spend, but others not. And this pastor said something interesting. He said, things were easier when everyone was poor and when everyone had to trust God together. I think that's what it means to be poor in spirit. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. Now, there are many things to mourn, but what is he talking about? What are these people mourning about? Well, I think these people mourn the toxic water in Flint that killed a dozen people and poisoned thousands of children. I think that they mourn the 3,000 people who have died in Michigan last year from the opioid epidemic. I think they mourn Patrick Leoya, a black refugee who was shot and killed by the Grand Rapids police. That's the sort of things they mourn. They mourn what is wrong. They look to God to make things right. Blessed are the meek, Jesus says, those who are gentle and humble. Not the kind of people who seek revenge, but the kind of people who seek God's glory who seek what's best for others. Not the kind of people who fight for what's theirs or who hit back twice as hard. No, these are the sort of people who, like Jesus, would rather ride a donkey than a war horse. Well, if that's the first group, the second group of blessings focus on people who pursue justice. They love God, and so they love what he loves, justice. Righteousness. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. People who love, their, love God and love their neighbor. So they put God's will first. People who aren't satisfied by the pleasures of food or sensuality or entertainment. What do they hunger for? They're satisfied by the things that God requires of us. Justice, peace, faithfulness. Blessed are the merciful, Jesus says. These are the people who roll up their sleeves and show the sort of compassion to others that God has shown to them. These are the people like the Good Samaritan. These are the people like Jesus, who had compassion on the sick and suffering. These are the people who show mercy to losers in the world who don't deserve it. Blessed are the pure in heart. They love God, and so they don't do things to get noticed by others. They pray that they serve for God's sake, not to impress. They seek justice out of a pure heart. And the third group focuses on those who create peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus said. A peacemaker is right with God. And so she seeks to make things right in the world. Not through violence to bring justice. But a peacemaker makes peace 
She doesn't just merely keep the peace. And that distinction really matters. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, Jesus said. Those who are peacemakers, those who seek God's justice and righteousness, you're going against the grain of the world. And the world doesn't take kindly to that. And so peacemakers get persecuted. For example, every year we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We revere his legacy, and we should. But we must remember, at the time of his assassination in 1968, he had a 75% disapproval rate. His passion and commitment to justice made him the most hated man in America. Peacemaking will get you persecuted. And finally, Jesus expands on this idea of persecution in another blessing. Blessed are those who are persecuted, insulted, slandered, because they are connected to him. So there they are, nine Beatitudes. Who is blessed? Well, first and foremost, the answer to that is Jesus. When you look at this life that is blessed that he pronounces, that's the life he lived. He was poor and humble. He burned up his days seeking justice and righteousness. He created God's peace wherever he went. And his love led him to lay down his life. So he blesses those who take on his teachings and his love and share it with others. Once again, he asks us, will you follow me? On to our third question, how are they blessed? Because if you remember, as we heard, after each beatitude, Jesus states the way in which these folks are blessed. Let's recall them briefly, if we may. They're promised the kingdom of heaven. They are promised that they will be comforted. When God sets all things right, all that is broken will be healed. They will inherit the land, the promised land, that's a place of peace. Those who hunger for justice will be full, Jesus says. It's like after a Thanksgiving meal. They will feel so stuffed when they find a kingdom of righteousness. They'll be shown mercy by God. They will see God. They will be called children of God. Because they're on the side of the God of peace. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says. Their reward is great. That's how they're blessed. But you might have noticed something. Jesus has this focus on the future when it comes to how they're blessed. Being blessed means belonging to the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is in the future. But here's the thing. God's future is breaking into the present. That's the revolutionary message that Jesus gives us in the Sermon on the Mount. The future has already begun, he says. The kingdom is already started. A new day has arrived with Jesus. 
And so his disciples must live in terms of this kingdom of God that is already, but not yet. His disciples are to be radically countercultural. They're to live out a new politic, a new community, a new kingdom. And in the last part of our passage, Jesus talks about salt and light, which raises the question, if we live as kingdom people, what will happen? How might the world be impacted? See, we Christians are God's agents of redemption in the world. We're going to be salt and light through our words and through our lives. We must go out into the world then, to our next-door neighbors, to our mail delivery person, to our children and their parents and their friends, to our co-workers, to our friends. And we must testify to the kingdom of God. When we do that faithfully, we are taken up into the mission of God. To redeem all broken creation through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's God's mission, and that becomes our mission too. That's what it means to be salt and light. The Beatitudes show us how the kingdom of God turns things upside down. The hopeless, the losers, they are actually blessed. So praise God. Things will be different. Praise God because things are already becoming different. Praise God for the kingdom of God is near. Amen.
The Apostles' Creed has been widely used in many different Christian traditions over the centuries, and even today it's regularly recited by Christians all over the world. Now, these are ancient words. The earliest version goes back uh, to what was used for candidates for baptism in the third century. This is a great summary of the great truths of our Christian faith. So let's speak these ancient words together as found in your bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. As we come to this time in our service, where we give by our tithes and our offerings, may we see this as our opportunity to actively be a part of all that God is doing. The tithes that go into the offering plate support a multitude of ministries here at Mayflower within the church and far beyond our walls through our outreach. Without financial giving, these things could not occur. Our time is another valuable asset that in many ways is much harder to give. As this fall season begins, may our hearts be open to where God is leading us to serve and to give of our time and our talents to make a difference in the community around us and the lives of the people that God shows us. May we live our lives as an offering each and every day.
Lord, we come to you as people who are thankful. We are thankful for this time we can be together. We are thankful for this beautiful space where we can spend time learning and worshiping. We are thankful for your presence that is here with us now. May we take our thankfulness and turn it into acts of giving each and every day. May we be a community that grows and cares about what you care about. May our eyes be open to the needs that are around us. And may we have the intuition to act and to act wisely in respectful and helpful ways. Through these actions, may you be glorified and may our hearts continue to be set on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that you would give us the vision to see our world as it will be and as it really is, your kingdom, where the poor, the merciful, and the persecuted are the most favored. Lord, soften our hearts with the gift of tears. Help us to mourn our brokenness and the brokenness of our world. Help us welcome the refreshment of your comfort and share it with others. Suffering one, break our hearts as yours is broken. And in the breaking, create in us clean hearts, pure hearts, undivided hearts. Our deepest desire is to see you at work in us and all around us and to one day see you face to face. And on this day, we remember those victims of violence on September 11th, 2001. And we also pray for all those in the world who are victims of terror, violence, and war. Lord, be with them. Lord, bring peace. Lord, we pray for Amy Conway and her family as she mourns the death of her mother. Lord, be with them. Be their comfort. Lord, we pray for Phil Edema, for his family. We pray that he would know the comfort of your Holy Spirit, your presence. I pray you give his family strength as they care for him and as they make complex decisions. Give them peace. Lord, and we pray for Bud, whose heart is failing. Lord, you are a God of health. You are a God of healing. So we pray that you would restore him. And that you would be with him. And now together, we'll pray the Lord's Prayer as found in your bulletin. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.
Brothers and sisters, in Christ, you are citizens of an upside-down kingdom where the losers, the poor, those who mourn, the persecuted, are actually the ones who are blessed. So as we go now, go out into a world that is upside down and make it upside right, for the kingdom of God is here. Scripture says that even the rocks will cry out in praise of God's name. And that might include a rogue organ. Who knows? To whoever God has called you this week, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. We go forth in the name of Christ. Thanks be to God.